News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Davendijk, and I'd like you to join me today. Today I'm by myself. <laughs> you're going to have to you have to be patient with me because now I'm back on the computer again trying to figure this all out. So for an old guy, that might be a little bit of tricky, but uh, we'll give it a go here. one 332 8255 And that's either a call me or text to the same thing. This is one 332 255. So give me a call about anything in the garden. There's lots going on in the garden. I know things were a bit late going on this spring, and so things are playing catch-up. So one thing I remember is that make sure when you're playing catch-up is just making sure that you've got enough fertilizer on your on your shrubs and evergreens and trees and uh, make sure you, you're putting the water to it as well. Um, and depending on, of course, whether you're going to get a bunch of rain in your area, but uh, some of the big trees I've noticed that uh, even in my yard, all the spruce trees are are um, are basically getting a lot of cones on them. Like you can see all the cones. So when they get a lot of cones on them, that means they were stressed from last year from the drought. So uh, make sure that this year that you're you're um, you're basically giving them the moisture they need, the nutrients they need. And you got to remember, evergreens put all their growth on in June. So fertilize them. I like using a 30-10-10, or I can if you're out in an acreage that I use something like the groundskeeper fertilizer. Um, because it has sulfur in it and, and evergreens like, uh, especially the big spruce trees like, uh, a sulfur based fertilizer. So that really works good. So, uh, I have one text here I'm going to read right away here. My sister gave me a stalk of Allegheny Silver Bay, which is a Chinese evergreen, and place it in the water. I can see that, uh, the little white nodes are starting in this and, and starting to sprout roots. They're about a quarter inch long. What's the best way to successfully transplant this? And what is this, what can I do now from, from now on? So yeah, so what you can do, depending on size of your, your stock you took, but you want to probably start in about a six inch pot. And you want to take some nice, um, fresh um, potting soil, and you just want to place the potting place. Take a, your your slip out of the out of the water, and just carefully place it. And just carefully place the uh, soil around the roots so that you don't break off those little roots. And then after that, just keep it keep that soil moist, not wet, but just moist. And uh, and then it'll just continue to grow from there. Uh, you may, you may have to see. You don't want to go down too deep with that stalk, that that planting. So you don't want to go up the stalks. You may want to actually insert a little a little bamboo stake or something like that just to hold it upright. And because uh, with the not much roots there yet, it's going to want to f- possibly fall over. So um, just put a little stake in there, and you can stake it to. Actually, you can probably even stake it to the to the um, to the slip right off the bat and uh, before you put it into the soil then it has something sturdy to sit on as well so well, we got questions coming on the phone line here so we can go right to the phone line we have here from norm from regina good morning norm yeah good morning um i got uh, fresh sod put in last week uh should i fertilize it and if so uh, what's the number of the fertilizer? Yeah, you can fertilize it. Most of the fer- fertilizers you can get are slow release. Um, I would try to find something a little bit uh, below 30, though, okay? And, like, and, it, like, and like, say, 25, 25, 25, is that what you mean? Yeah, you could do something like that, but you're not going to find a lawn fertilizer. Most of it's going to be a zero as a second number, okay? Okay. Now, you could find the groundskeeper. It has a 10 for a second number, okay? So you can go, it's a 16, 10, uh, 3, 6, 
uh, no, 317.6. So it has the sulfur in it as well, but okay, it has that, that it has that 10 sulfur, which will help your, your plant to get uh, established really good as well. So Okay, so that's 1610 and 16-10. what? And then the next number, I think, is 3 and then 17 and then 6, I think it is. That's the number. So what I'm looking at is most fertilizers you're going to buy in the stores right now are going to be the second number is going to be zero. So if okay. you, you could find something with a little bit of a, a, a just a low, even a 10, 12 as a second number, okay. uh, that'd be perfect. So the first number and the third number really doesn't mean nothing? Well, the first number is nitrogen. Don't go over 30. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, but most of them are slow release, especially especially if you get one that's not slow release. Then you want to be lower, you know, around sixteen or twenty. You don't want to be up near thirty at all because it's too it's too hot because to, it releases all at once, right? Okay. But a lot of the okay. fertilizers you find are slow release, so it's not going to be a big deal. All right. What What about the third number? The third number is put, uh, potash, and uh, most of those numbers are around the three or six mark. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. And we have Les in Corning. Good morning, Les. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you. After a nice shot of rain last night, about a half an inch. Oh, good for uh, you. Green things up again. Oh, perfect. That's perfect for the crops out there. You bet. Say, I've got a calla lily. Yes. Now, we got this back in May, and it was blooming beautiful. Yep. So we left it in its original pot. Now I see the... It's pretty well done blooming, and uh, some of the stems on the greenery of the plant are kind of browning, but this calla lily has roots coming out the bottom of the pot. Yeah, yeah. what size of pot do you think it is? <laughs> oh, gosh, if it's much more than a six-inch, I'll be surprised. Okay, so what you can do if you want, you can, like, the, the, that, that can, is it canna or calla lily? Yeah. It's Calilly, yeah. It'll bloom for you all summer long, okay? It won't oh. just finish. Okay. So what you want to do is you want you can put it into a little bit larger pot if you want or plant it into a container if you want. You can even do that. Okay. Uh, one thing they do like, they do like to be a little bit on the moisture side, okay, okay. but but not wet, okay? okay? Like some people even put them in their ponds, the calla, the, the calla lilies, and right, um, right at the edge of the pond, not in the water, but beside the water, okay? Okay. So they'll put it in a, in a, in basically, um, if you're putting it as a, as a water plant, you've got a mesh, um, um, container that you, you, and rocks you put the plant into, and then you set it just at the edge of the water so most of the pot is out of the water, okay? Okay. That's, that's, but it, so if you're going to go in the ground, uh, or put it in the ground, or you're going to put it in your, um, in a pot or whatever, so just keep it, because it's a bulb, you don't want to go, you, that's why that, when you put in the water, the pot's mostly almost out of the, out of the water. There's maybe just the base of the plant that's touching the water. Okay. So, so just keep it moist, but okay. not, but not wet, and make sure you got good drainage in the whole, in the bottom of your pot, whatever you planted in. Okay. But go up to an eight-inch pot or even a twelve-inch pot if you want to. Okay. Okay. And then it should be okay. Go oh, good. And then don't forget to fertilize it every once in a while as well. Right. Right. Okay. Good. Well, Perfect. he always gives good advice, and I thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that brings us uh, here to, uh, we'll do a quick, uh, got a text call here. Uh, lilac tree not producing a 
ton of new flowers. There's still dead ones from last year. Should it be doing any heavy pruning? If so, when? Hazel in Saskatoon. That is a great question, Hazel, because uh, right now the lilacs are just finishing blooming up along most of the places. And what you want to do is if you want new, a lot of new flowers next year, you've got to basically deadhead that plant. So give it a light pruning so that you cut all the flowers off of your lilacs, okay? And then w- what you do is if you want to do a major pruning, you do it when it's dormant and then you'll miss a year of pruning if you want to, uh, uh, flowers, if you want to do, um, uh, if you want to take it down a lot. But if you just want more flowers, just give it, a, you know, a haircut, you know, maybe about, you know, a foot or so off the top and that'll take all the flowers off and then fertilize it. It'll push on lots of new growth and then you'll have tons of new flowers next year. But do that after, right after it finishes blooming. So that takes us to the break. So um, this is Rick Vandemnik on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. hope you have a good cup of coffee or cup of tea or orange juice or whatever you have in the morning. Sit back and relax and uh, give me a call uh, or text at one 332 8255 That's one 877 Three three two eight two five five, and we'll get to all your gardening questions if you can here. And I wanted to ex- expand a little bit on the last uh, text I was talking about with the with the lilacs and pruning, and that goes with all your spring blooming uh, fl- uh, flowering plants, like double flowering plum, your forsythia, your lilacs especially, so azalea, uh, all those ones that bloom really early in the spring. Give them that light pruning, and then right after they finish blooming, and then next year they'll just produce even better uh, because they produce on their on their last year's wood so a lot of the spireas and those kind of things will produce on new growth but those uh, lilacs and double flowering plum for Scythia, they all produce on their last year's growth so that's why you want to trim them now let the growth come up they'll set their buds in the fall and then you have lots of blooms next spring so we're gonna go right to Al here Al good morning how are you today I'm good, sir. How are you? Very good. You had a question. Yeah, we got some Venus flytraps about a month ago, and they're in those little three-inch pods. And I'm just curious, is it time to replant them? And you use stuff like peat moss, like the lady told me. Yeah, you can use a, a like a peat moss really uh, a type of base of, of of soil is for sure what you want to use for them, because normally they a lot of places where they grow is where there's lots of humidity and and uh, and wool and um, and so the peat moss is a good base for that. And what you can also do with them is you can set the, that um, that pot on top of a tray that has little rocks in it. And then water in the rocks, okay, so that the pot is not sitting in the water, but on top of the rocks, but the water evaporates out of the tray and gives that plant a lot of humidity. And that's what it'll like a lot, okay? In fact, they do, they'll do good in a tree. You know, that's why when you buy them, a lot of times they have that little cover over top of them, you know, with little uh-huh. holes in the top. So that just helps keep the humidity into that in around the plant. And they, they especially work good if you want to plant them in a terrarium or something like that. And, uh, that's, and of course, that's a, even that peat moss is a type of soil which attracts, obviously, things like fungus gnats and those kind of things. And that's what those, um, th- those plants love to eat. So just keep a peat moss base and keep it on them not wet but moist all the time and put that pebble tray and the plant will do just great. Oh, okay. And can, can you, uh, Put them in the same pot 
together in a bigger pot. I got two of them, eh? Yep, absolutely. You just yeah, you can put because they when they grow, they keep multiplying. So they, they, it's not a problem putting the two in the same pot is, at all. Just make sure okay. to keep the humidity around them. That's the big one. Okay, so even like in uh, the pot itself, the rocks in the bottom of that, does that work? Not the pot itself, but put a tray. Put, plant them in that peat, peat pot, okay, in, in, a peat, in a peat moss type of base of soil. Put them in the pot and then put the pot on top of a bigger tray than the pot and put some rocks in it and water in there and then just the water will just evaporate from the tray up around the plant. Perfect. Okay? Hi. There you Very go. Good, sir. Have you. a great day. And we have here also Terry in Saskatoon. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm doing great. Rick, I think I have some problems with some ants chewing off my beets. I think at first we thought it was birds. We put mesh over the beets, but now I'm finding holes in my in the ground. I'm just wondering, is there something that uh, I can use to save my beets but not damage the fruit? So if it's if you think it's ants, like I I don't know if it's ants. It might be cutworms or something like that. It might be something else in there. Um, so that, that's a, that's a problem because a lot of the, the chemicals are gone. We would take care of that normally, right? Yeah. So, um, if it's a cutworm or if it's ants, there's two things you can use, depending what it is. You have to really do an investigation to figure out what it actually is. But with ants, you can use a nematode. It's called ant out. And okay. it's actually a little, another bug you put into the soil and it goes after the eggs of the ants, okay? okay. Or if you, if you find that it's more of a cutworm or a, you know, that type of a grub, then you use grub, grub out, okay? And this is, this is a different nematode that goes after those ones and basically it drills into the, into the worm and then just eats the inside of, of it out. It's another bug, so it's very organic and, and no problems there. Uh, okay. If it's just a crawling insect, you can also put diatomaceous earth around the base of your plants. Okay, and when they go, th- whatever's coming on top of the soil, when they get through it, the diatomaceous earth is like crushed up seashells. And what it does, it gets into all their little joints and crevices, and it basically dehydrates them. And is that available at a garden center? Yep. Yep. Yeah, totally organic as well. So okay. um, you can use the diatomaceous earth, and that will work for that. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Bye bye. And we have here also uh, Al in Regina. Good morning, Al. Hello, uh, Rick. Uh, I have a, a large garden area, several several areas in, the, in my 18,000 square foot lot. Yep. My wife and I are getting elderly. We want to cut back a little bit. We want to put some grass back down into about 1,000, 1,200 square feet of garden area back to grass. Yep. I was thinking rather than going with sod, which is uh, more expensive and, and harder to do, yep. uh, or, or have to get somebody to do it, I, I would like to plant grass. What type of grass would you suggest for that? Is it sunny or shady? I have shady? a very nice, healthy lawn in the other areas of my yard. You, you think, uh, it, it, best time to seed it. And what type of seed would I use? Yep. And uh, best time to do it now or in the fall? No, nope, do it right now. Uh, do it right it, now? I would imagine. Like, well, okay, I can't do it now because we're going to still use that area this year, oh, I mean, okay. like this summer, but we're thinking like maybe fall, or maybe maybe probably do it probably next spring, then we'd be better, eh? Or you can do it next spring, or you can put the seed down this fall, and it'll sprout up next spring first thing, okay? Okay, cool. What type of seed would you suggest? It, I would imagine since it's a garden, it's really sunny, right? Very sunny, beautiful okay. here. So just use a Canada number one mix. That'll be the same grass as what you have already. A what? A, 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 what mix? It's, it's called Canada number one mix. Okay. Canada number one mix. Yeah. 
and that'll be basically the same as what you have, and uh, it'll it'll do just great there. It'll come up quick. You can plant it. You can you can prep your area this fall. Put the seed down this fall, okay. but but put it down late. Okay, so put it down near the end of October. Get away, and then it'll come up first thing in the spring. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye bye. Well, we have, well, let's see, we have here, uh, we have a question here I have on the text line. I should get to that. He says, says here, good morning, Sarah from Kalanzi. I have a lot of yellow leaves falling off my maple trees. I gather this is from aphid damage. Should I still continue to spring for aphids? And, uh, and where, it says here also, where can I find ambush? Ambush has now been changed to bug X. Okay. Now it's called bug X. And so that's the new name for, for ambush. So that's how you can find it. It's still the same pyrethrin. Pyrethrin is the active ingredient. And so you can use that. Now the yellow leaves is more like from stress. Okay. More than it would be more from stress than from the aphids. So just, you need to probe your soil with a piece of rebar, stick the rebar down 12, 16 inches down and Find out the subsoil moisture that moisture is like in there, and you want to keep it moist. It shouldn't be dry, and it shouldn't be wet, because you get yellow leaves from either one, too wet or too dry. Most likely, it's probably too dry. And so, um, because we had that drought last year, we've had some good rains, but not a lot around Kalonze, probably not a ton of rain. And so just but probe the soil and you'll find out right away. Bring the moisture to where it should be. If it's really wet, aerate with that piece of rebar so you get oxygen in the soil. And if it's dry, give it a good soak and it'll be okay. We also have here, um, let's see here, we have... Um, um, when should I prune my maple tree? Uh, large brats. Now, maple trees, very good question. Right now, they're pushing their leaves out right now. So you have to wait till the end of June, and then the leaves will be out full size, and then you can prune that branch off a of maple tree. And that goes with birches as well. So either one, birches or maples, you can prune uh, at the end of June, right until the end of September. That takes us to the news break. Uh, you can... I'm Rick Van Damdijk. This is a Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Davidijk. I'd like you to join me at one 877 And you can do that by either calling or texting me at one 877 We're going to take one quick text here. It says, hello, Garden Talk. So I have some young columnar-style apple trees um, planted a few years ago, currently about five and a half to six feet tall. One of the trees is pushing bushy branches low to the ground. Sadly, I've let them grow grow too long so there's lots of growth can I trim that that growth now or should I wait and so what I would suggest you do with that is that uh, is past the flowering time so uh, if it's only five to uh, about five and a half to six feet tall you could prune those off right now it won't hurt the plant if it's a bigger plant as the plant gets older then I'd like to do it when it's dormant but you've got a young plant there trimming those bottom ones off won't hurt it at all right now just make sure when you trim it off leave that collar on when the branch comes out if you're not sure what I mean by that just google pruning an apple tree and the talk about the collar that's right next to this right in the main stem of the tree you want to just cut it a bit of an angle from the top of the collar away from the, the bottom of the collar at the bottom and uh, the plant will be just fine it'll heal over perfectly you don't want to leave a stub because that'll rot right back into the stem okay so just uh, if you want just there's a lot of little you can just google that too and you'll be able to see actually a picture description and you can see how to do a proper pruning technique on that as well 
Okay, we have here a bunch of calls all lined up here, so let's get this thing started. It's Sharon in Saskatoon. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning. I I was wondering what I can, or how to get rid of night crawlers. They seem to be um, killing my grass, and they're spreading. <laughs> Yeah, you is know what? Any... Night callers, is, there's no chemicals left to to really take care of them in the, in the soil anymore. So what you can do, the best thing to do is if um, is to basically, honestly, put a put a bird bath in your in your yard. Attract oh. attract the robins. Okay, the robins will clean those things up really good for you. But they have to have a reason to come to your yard, and one is well, just night callers. What's yeah, that? I do have a lot of robins. Good. Yeah. Because the robins usually will help clean those up, and that's one of the best ways to do it. And also, make sure you keep your lawn not too short, okay? Keep your grass about basically two and a quarter inches long. Oh, okay. okay. So if you've lowered your, your, a lot of people lower that down to one inch or so, get it a little bit taller. The ants okay. and most bugs don't like nice, healthy, so keep it well fertilized, your lawn, so get it nice and thick, okay? And keep it, uh, keep it watered well, and keep it about at least two and a quarter, even two and a half inches long, and that'll, that'll, most, nine times out of ten, that'll keep those type of, uh, of, uh, especially ants and those kinds out of your lawn. Okay. Yeah, there's just there's more and more every day when I go out in the morning. There's more of them. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, just... <laughs> and if you keep your lawn on a bit of the moist side for a while, they won't like that either, right? Because they don't oh, they don't like okay. it too wet. Okay. So okay. then they might move okay. out of there. But uh, but keep keep attracting those robins around your yard, and um, oh, okay. and that's the big one. If you got lots of robins, if the night crawlers come to the surface, uh, especially if you keep it more moist, the robins will have a heyday. And you have big fat, and you have big fat robins around your yard. Okay, <laughs> okay. so um, they do. Will they kill the grass? Because my grass is starting to look pretty gross, and we've fertilized it, and it doesn't seem to come around. Yeah, so. well, what happens? It just aerates it too much. It just dries it out, oh. right? Yeah, yeah. It dries okay. it out. So just like I said, just matter. And if it gets really thin, just t- top resting with some grass seed and rake that grass seed so it gets in contact past the thatch to the soil. Okay, because you put grass seed just on top of your old thatch, it'll yeah. root. It'll root into that thatch and just dry out. So you want to oh. rake that grass seed right down to the soil if you need. If your if your soil is uh, okay. thin, and that'll thicken it up. And then, like I said, just uh, keep okay. it in the moist side, and then that'll that'll move those uh, worms out of there. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye now. And we got Cheryl and Blaine Lake. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my question is, I have a two-year-old golden linden tree that still doesn't have leaves on it. Oh, it should have leaves by now. Um, it, so it's a, it's a harvest gold linden that you have, right? And so what I would do is I would take my pruners and I would nick the bark, okay? Oh. And see if it's still green underneath, okay? okay if it's green yeah. underneath, it still might come because I even have some ash trees around the yard that haven't budded out yet, but they're coming, okay? Okay. So uh, check your moisture, probe the soil with the rebar, make yeah. sure there's good moisture down 12 inches down, okay? And make sure you got, make sure you have moisture there. And the, but nick, do so, take your pruners and just nick the bark on a mm-hmm. bunch of the branches. If they're brown underneath, then those branches are dead. Okay. Okay. If they're green underneath, they might they'll have a chance of still coming. But watch that moisture. Okay. Okay. So it's moisture is the important thing. Linda's like to be moist. Okay. Okay. Good enough. All right. I'll Thank give that a shot. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Bye. And we have here uh, Faye in Saskatoon. Good morning, Faye. 
Good morning. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Good. I have two questions. Uh, number one, we moved a shrub in our front flower bed that's quite, the flower bed is quite large. Yep. And the area is just teeming with red ants. Okay. How do we get that out? I'm sure it must be all over the flower bed, yep. not just in that one area. Yeah. Best, honestly, the best way that that's been successful is moist that area really well and then get that ant out. It's a nematode. It's another, it's another bug that goes after the ant nest. It doesn't go after the adult ants, but it goes and takes out the nest. So it goes after the eggs. Okay, now we put uh, Antigon. Yep. Does that work? Antigon works good, but it, you know, it, uh, it works okay, but it'll get just the adult ants. But the, okay. but the little round ball, which you get, is called ant out. And it actually, the, the nematodes go down and, and take out the nest. And once they take out the nest, the queen will decide there's something going on here. I'm not reproducing more workers. And so she'll move away. Okay. okay. Whereas okay. right now so, the ant out is only killing the the adult ants that come out of the out of the ground, and then of course the queen once it starts having less adult ants, it'll just she'll just keep producing more eggs. Okay. Okay. So, so they, if we put it in that one area that we dug out yep. the shrub, will that do the whole flower bed? It'll do basically wherever you got the wherever you have it'll they'll spread and they'll keep looking for ants, okay? But yeah. the soil has to be moist for them to move through. If the soil is really dry, the nematodes can't move through the soil. Okay. 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 But they keep reproducing. Once they go after one egg, then they they basically once they take care of that egg, they move to the next egg, and then they keep reproducing and they produce more and more and more, and they just keep going after more and more ants. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I don't know anything about these nematodes. Yep. Is it something we would spread on as large an area as yep. we can? Yeah. One one of those little uh, containers you get will treat a thousand square feet. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now my second question is: mm -hmm. We have a lilac tree and a lilac shrub. Yep. The lilac tree last year produced some flowers right at the top. Yep. The lilac shrub has been producing up until this year, and they're really scant flowers this year. Yep. Would it help if we trim them right back? Right now, now after not right fruit? back. Just give them a light pruning right now. Okay. okay. So cut. How tall are they right now? Uh, the tree is about ten feet tall. Okay. So this is a lilac tree, you said. Or yes. is it a bush? Is it a bush one? or we is have it a... both. We okay. have both. So the ivory silk lilac tree or the bush, so either or both of them, just deadhead them, the old flowers off for sure. And the bushes cut about at least a foot off the top, okay? Okay. At least a foot off the top all the way around, and, that'll, and then fertilize it, give it lots of new growth. And the same thing you can do with a lilac tree. Just give it a light pruning, about a foot all the way around. And then give it some fertilizer, get some new growth happening. And on that new growth, next year you'll have lots of flowers. Okay. And is there a specific fertilizer we should use? I like using a 30-10-10 because it promotes tons of growth. And fertilize every three weeks, but stop around July the 15th. Okay? Okay. And I like, I like to start fertilizing around Mother's Day, and then I quit July 15th. Ah. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. That takes us to a quick break. Uh, I'm Rick Van Damenek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damenek. 
I'd like you to join me here on either the call or the text line, one 332 We've been getting lots of phone calls, so I haven't been able to get to the text line very much. So, But we'll answer them uh, between, the, between the commercial breaks and, uh, and at the end if we need to. So, Because uh, number one priority is the caller line. So we're going to go right here to uh, Lomay and Grandora. Hi, it's Lorna. Hi, Lorna. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I have a sister out on the West Coast, and she scattered her her alfalfa pellet willy-nilly throughout her garden. Well, yep. it's just poured rain for the past two weeks. And she's wondering now, should she make an alfalfa tea for her garden, or should she work in more pellets, or... What would you advise? Oh, she can make a tea. Like then that would then she doesn't have to worry about it to give the nutrients right away. But I mean, those pellets should have with the with the, all the rain she had got, they should actually just help break it down and actually add unless it washed it away. You know, she yeah. had that much rain. I'm not sure whether it washed it away or not. Um, yeah, she said it just seems to leach out their soil so much yeah. with all that rain. You know, yeah, they have such a gravelly type of soil in most areas out in BC <laughs> there that it just it does leach it out quick. So she can make a tea, or she can just add more pellets. Either Either way, it's okay. uh, because you can't overdo it. Okay. Okay, I'll tell her. Yeah, you can't overdo it. Perfect. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And we have here uh, Terry in Pilot Butte. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. How are you today, Rick? I'm doing great. Uh, I hope you're getting some rain around there today. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. Everything is nice and green and growing wonderfully. So perfect. So I called a couple of weeks ago about my raspberry bushes, how yep. I have raspberries just shooting up all over my garden. Yes. The problem is they're shooting up in my raised flower bed. So I have like probably four feet of material yep. in my flower beds, yep. and now they're all planted. So how do I really attack that raspberry cane that's coming in the middle without destroying my bed? Uh, Would you like paint the leaves with like Roundup or something? Well, if you do that first, what you'll have to do is you'll have to because at the base of your of your uh, raised garden, you have to dig a bit of a trench first, okay, and sever those roots, okay, okay. from the main plants. And when you right. dig, once you dig that trench, then what I want you to do then is put a when you, before you backfill it again, is I want you to put a piece of landscape fabric vertically up and down, okay. Right. So that'll keep those roots from growing back in. Okay. Again, now once you've cut, severed those ones, now you can paint some Roundup on the leaves, and then you'll take care of the problem. Okay, and and do the same with my raspberry patch, right? Like encase that, like dig down yep, dig all down. around that. And, and, and uh, now once you made that trend, put some, put a barrier down there. I don't care if it's a piece of pressure plywood. You put a piece of edge edging doesn't work. It's only you know four inches deep most edging. Right. right? It's not deep enough, so you have to go something deeper. Um, so you could either take an old nursery pot and you know split it, and so yeah, you split yeah. it and open it, roll it open, and now you got a, a, a deeper you know deeper um, barrier. Or just put the heavy duty. Don't put a light fast landscape fabric. Get the five the you know the the twenty year type of stuff, the, the heavy duty stuff, exactly. And put, yeah, and put yeah. that down vertically, and those roots won't go through there. Because man, they're just like they're so wonderful. Like I love the raspberries, yep. but I just want them in a certain place, and they're in the lawn, they're in the garden. Yep. It's just like oh, these yep. little things. Just make but, a barrier, and if you want, yeah, just just make a barrier so you, you control where they go, and that'll that'll solve your problem if you put that barrier in. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Okay. And Rick, I loved listening to you. You are so knowledgeable, and I learned so much. So thank you for doing this program. Thank you. It's, it's lots of fun. So I enjoy doing it. Thank you very Good. much. Well, you have a fantastic week. Thank you. Too. you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, we got here 
Brian Asquith. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Uh, a question about garter snakes. Yes. Um, if you see a little guy, oh, quarter inch thick now, six, eight inches long, how far away is he from the den and uh, is, is there going to be a flood of them or what? Not usually, because the dens are usually in, like I remember we had a, we had a den when I used to live east, east of Saskatoon up in the Strawberry Hills there. There was a, there's a big den out there and they, they all congregate together and stay really warm in a little type of a cave type of thing, okay? And that's so, winter time. Yeah, that's for the winter time. So they all go together. So most of the times you're going to see them, you know, um, from what I've ever seen in my yard is just every once in a while you see one around and every once in a while my dog would find one and put it on my step for me. And, uh, but, you know, don't worry about the gardener's snakes. They won't hurt you. They they're actually go after little rodents. They go after little insects. They're actually pretty good to have around. So um, so I wouldn't worry about the snakes at all because um, they're actually, gardener snakes especially, are actually good for the garden. So they'll just help keep keep things a lot cleaner around your yard So for for those type of pests. So how far would they travel from the den? Oh, you know what? I, I'm not even sure. But I, I know that out in, in my acreage, like I never saw any den around and they used to come wa- wandering through my yard. And whenever they're looking for food, they'll go as far as they need to get more food, right? And so um, usually they're not, I, honestly, I, I can't even answer that question because I don't know how far they do actually travel. But just from my own experience, uh, I've had gardener snakes come in the yard, but I've never had a ton of them. It's always been one or one or two at a time. And then they kind of all of a sudden they're gone. You don't see them for a couple of weeks again, and then you see them again. And so um, it's, I'm not even sure, but they're around somewhere. But, uh, but like I said, it's something I wouldn't worry too much about because they're actually, for my garden and my yard, I actually like having them around. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. And we have here um, Ted and Weyburn. Good morning, Ted. Hello. I have a question about lawn fertilizer. I used Groundskeeper on May the 6th. Yep. Just curious how often I should reapply it. Uh, I would start. A, I would reapply it again around between July the 1st and July 15th. Okay. And then reapply it again about the, about the beginning to middle of September. Okay. If you do it those and three times, that's one of the things about groundskeepers. You don't have to change. You know how they have some some of a spring, summer, and fall fertilizer? The right. groundskeepers is all formulated, so you only have to use the same fertilizer, so you don't have to keep buying all these different types. That's what I like okay. about it. It's really simple. It, it, it simplifies the fertilizing program. Yeah, I put it on before we had uh, a good three or four inches of rain, and yep. it really worked well, except for the racing stripes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's not a fertilizer problem, though. <laughs> that's a fertilizer problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. I realize that, but uh, the applicator is the applicator. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I do. One thing I remember to do if you want to fertilize properly, if you want to don't get those streaks, is just divide your fertilizer in half. Okay, what you'd normally put in the area, go one direction and then go yeah. the opposite direction. Okay. So, okay. so do a grid pattern, and then you won't get all those streaks, okay? You'll... Yeah, 
next application is going to be the opposite direction for sure. Well, no, do do both directions the same application? Just do if if it says you know put half of it. If it says to set your applicator to four or something like that, set yeah. it to a lighter like a two and go one way and then go two the other direction, and yeah, then you I'll, won't get those little streaks. Okay, I'll give that a try. Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. Yeah, bye. Well, that takes us about to the break here. About another, yeah, it takes regular. We've got one more quick, a quick call I can take here. I'm not a call, but a text here. Um, good morning, Rick. Let's go here. Um, sorry, my I got a, my hands not working here on the on the computer. It, we got one thing I want to do is uh, when and people were asking me also about about those ants and one thing you can use too is a lot of people are using is the borax and and, uh, and icing sugar or sugar mix too. You can put that out as well and they'll actually take that back to the nest as well. So that works as well. A lot of people called in and told me that that works really well for them. So try that out too if you're having a spot, especially if you got ants and we're in places where you can't get any sprays to or nematodes to, where places like in around the bricks and those kind of things or some spots where you just can't get the, the spray because the ground is you know because concrete or whatever try the borax 50% borax and 50% uh, icing sugar or sugar and mix that up and they'll take the borax back and feed the queen and everything else and that's supposed to take out your your uh, your, uh, your nest colony as well that takes us to the news break I'm Rick Van Devenek you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, I'm Rick Van Damendijk and I'd like you to join me here at one 332 8255 You can do that by calling or texting at one 332 8255 Jill and Dave are off this week, so I'm at the controls by myself, so you have to just forgive me because I have to get back into the routine of looking at three computers at once and uh, uh, sometimes I have a hard time eating my breakfast all at once here so um at one time by myself so it's <laughs> so <laughs> so we're gonna hear we'll start on some uh some text here right away and here's uh hi rick um i we live on an acre south of east end we have a, an old bottle of seven just wonder if it works as well as the package says it does yes it does work as well as the package says it does and just be careful with it uh the reason why i was taken off for it, just make sure you got gloves on and if you're spraying put a mask on those kind of things uh but it does uh it, it works uh, it works very well so just be careful with it like any chemical just read the instructions before you use it and follow the instructions that's the big thing whether you take prescription drugs or you use something underneath your kitchen sink to clean your house read the instructions because anything can harm you if you don't use it properly so that's the key for anything you use i always say is that uh, read the instructions and go by the instructions and you'll be good to go so here we also have uh, um uh, victor in martinsville how close we plant a tamarack saplings to our dugout uh, tamarack saplings, they like to have the roots in the water. So you can put them pretty close. You gotta make sure that you gotta watch for your spring runoff so they're not underwater. They don't like to be underwater, but like at the edge of the water, okay? Uh, so just make sure that you, you're sort of trying to predict the future, whether your dugout's gonna be on a year we get a lot of snow, that it's gonna go expand a bit, or you get a lot of, you know, uh, years we have a lot of rain. 
um, uh, would expand. If it sits in the water for any length of time, it will die. So you just have to watch out for that part. Otherwise, you can put them fairly close. We're going to get right back to the, the callers right now. And got a wrong mouse in my hand. So let's go to Maureen in Saskatoon. Good morning, Maureen. Hi. Um, a lot of my cucumbers didn't germinate, and I'm wondering if it's too late to replant them now. Uh, it's, yeah, it's getting pretty late. You can try it. I mean, it depends what our fall is like, right? Um, okay. But what I would suggest you do is if you're doing cucumbers, go, go, to, some of the, go to the garden center and get a transplant. Okay, go to, go to your local greenhouse and get a transplant rather than seeding it now. Okay. Because you'll have be that much farther ahead because you're going to wait. It's going to take, uh, what, five to ten days for it to germinate, right? Yeah. And yep. so you're going to be that much farther behind. So I would go see if you can find a transplant and put that in, then you can catch up that way. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And we have here uh, Teresa in Macklin. Good morning, Teresa. Okay. Okay, thank you. Hi, Teresa. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we'll put you on hold there, Teresa. And here we'll go to Brian here in Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. Hi there. Hello. I, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. How are you doing, Brian? Great. Um, thanks for taking my call. I yeah. bought a cherry birch from you. That was from Dutch last year, yep. and it's still alive. It's doing okay, but compared to all the other trees, it's it's just starting to bud now. It's got these little kind of blossoms on it. It almost just seems like it's failing to thrive, and I like to think I've tried most things, but I'm just kind of wondering, is there a way I could diagnose this, or maybe now you, it's fine? And it's, now, you said a cherry birch tree. You mean, a, you mean a, a, a sour cherry tree are you talking about? It's an actual birch. I might, I might have it wrong, but it's it, like red. It's got red sap or red bark on it. Red bark, so it's called a Ming cherry then. Probably okay. If it's a, yeah. it's a Ming cherry, it's, it's so that one there. Just make sure that it likes to be moist but not wet. Okay, so yeah. which best way to check it? You said you planted it last year. Yep. So I'd get a piece of three eighths rebar. Okay, rebar. We yep. really use rebar forks has ribs on the side of the rebar. He's for you know reinforcing concrete, right? And you, yep. when you stick it down in the ground to the bottom of the planting hole that you used last year, and you pull it up, you're going to find what the moisture is like at the bottom of that planting hole. Okay, if you find yep. that it's too wet, especially on a new planting up to two years before you know from when you planted it, you'll need to aerate down to the bottom of the planting hole. Okay. Yeah. Especially I've if you got done all that. Yeah. Because. They were pretty good when I bought it. They kind of told me all that stuff. Yep. And so I've been trying to keep an eye on it. I guess I'm just going to keep on going. Yeah. And so, and so the bottom of the planting hole is good, good moisture then and not too wet down there? Um, no, it tends to be, if anything, a little dry. Okay. It's got really good drainage. So now I've been kind of taking the approach of maybe I didn't give it enough water. But, yep. Then, yeah, because um, if you put the probe down there and then it's dry, then you should be giving it more moisture and also give it. A little trickle right at the trunk of the tree, because you that root ball that the, it came in the pot is a uh-huh. basically a, a peat moss bark mix. Okay, so that tends to dry out quicker than the soil that you put around that root ball. Okay, so sometimes uh-huh. you just need to trickle the water just a little bit right at the trunk of the tree, not give it a whole bunch of water, so you're wetting the soil around it. But I want to wet that root ball, so just put just put the hose on just a slight trickle, and just just let it soak yeah. up that. And maybe just one more. She told me to take a piece of um, 
sweeping tile. Yep. And I did end up doing that, and I put that right down to its base, so it's kind of got you know twelve inches there or whatever where it can go. So I've actually been trying to water it right through that. Is that that that's fine? Strategy? That's fine, yeah, but okay. as long as you make sure that you don't overwater it through that, because then you'll fill up the, your hole. Because most of our soils are clay, okay. Yeah. And so what happens then is you you're from Saskatoon, so you, the clay it'll you won't notice in the top that there'll be actually a little water sitting at the bottom of your bowl, okay. So then if you're going to use water down if you're going to water down through that uh, weeping towel, then just probe beside there every once in a while to make sure that there's not excess water sitting down there. But one thing I do like about the you did the chimney with the weeping towel is that you're going to give oxygen to the roots, and that's huge. So it can take a little yeah. bit more moisture, right? But just if you find it as a bit dry side, go a little bit on the moist side, but don't go all the way to wet, okay? And okay. It should, you should be fine. And also give it a shot of fertilizer if you haven't yet. Yeah, I gave it just one of those. You kind of pound the be- the stake into the ground next yeah. to it there. And, yeah. yeah. It did give it one of those. Yeah. Do, don't do that on new... I, I don't like using the stakes on new plantings. It's too slow. It only it releases over the whole summer, Okay. So what, oh, gotcha. what you want to do is even to give it a give it a supplement of a thirty ten ten and mix with water for that plant. Put about uh, how big was the plant when you put it in? Twelve feet. About twelve feet. Right. So okay, mix mix um, uh, basically two um, two four liter ice cream pails and water water with thirty ten ten and give it one watering with that. Okay, and that'll push your growth. So okay. so basically eight liters. Okay, it tells you on the instructions on the fertilizer how much to put in eight liters. Water that okay. around there, and then then you watch. You'll get a lot of new growth, and you'll start to catch up. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. And we're gonna go. Um, oh, we won't go there right now. We'll just hang on for that one. Just hang on for that one. And uh, we have here. Um, uh, do Shasta daisies spread, or uh, how do I control the spread? Yeah, Shasta daisies do spread, and they spread by seed mostly. And so, what you want to do is, once the flowers uh, uh, finished, pick the heads off, and then that'll keep it from spreading all over the place, especially with the Shasta daisies. They do spread by root rhizomes too, so you can put a little bit of lawn, uh, lawn edging around the, the patch that you have from that, but also deadhead them once they finish blooming and be able to take it. That takes us to the break. You're listening to Garden Talk on sixty. CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'd like you to give me a call or give me a text at one 332 I know I haven't got to too many texts yet. The calls have been coming in steady, but we'll try to get to some of them before the end of the show here. So we're going to go right to Elaine uh, in... Oh, got wrong, wrong mouse here again. Elaine in Spring Valley. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> Sounds like you've got too much multi in your tasking there. <laughs> I, that's, I run into the same problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Rick, we are plagued by gophers here, as so many people are. Yep. But the big problem is is that they are un- going under uh, our, our porch, which is on a concrete slab yep. with gravel under it. And uh, I, I don't want them to die under there because they just reek. Yep. So I've, uh, do you know of any repellent? I've been using pine sol, and I mix it uh, with some water and run it in underneath with a contraption I rigged up and stuff. But they're just relentless. My husband traps, he shoots, and, and they keep going under there. I, I'm not sure what's under there, but they seem to like it. They like it, yeah. What you can do is try something like Critter Ritter. 
or another one is called Bobex. Okay. Will it kill them? No, it doesn't kill them. It repels them. Okay. okay. And so, what form does that come in? It comes in a, it, both in a granular and liquid. Okay. So you probably want the granular. Okay. Okay. And then you can sprinkle that around that hole there, and they won't like being around that. Okay. okay. Critter Ritter. Yeah. Or Bobex is another another product is called Bobex. But, B-O-B. Yeah, Bob, B-O-B-B-E-X, Bob-X. B-O-B-E-X, okay, and most most uh, plant stores. Yeah. Uh, Especially Critter Ritter, you should be able to find almost anywhere. Canadian Tire have yeah. it, maybe? they should have that as well. Okay, okay. well, thank you so much, Rick, and keep up the good work. Thank Love you, have, show. have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. And we have Teresa in Macklin. Good morning, Teresa. Hello. Hello. Um, I have a problem with wire worms in my raised bed. Yep. They have chewed off all my lettuce. I mean, they have chewed off the lettuce. And what do I do to get rid of them? That's a tough one. <laughs> that That is a really tough one because all the products are gone, like, you know, Seven and Dasnon, those ones are all gone for wire worms. Um, that, that is a really tough one. Um, the only thing I could think you can try... And I, I'm not even think, I'm not even sure it's going to work. I've never tried it myself. It's just mix Roundup in, uh, not don't mix Roundup. Get get ready, <laughs> not Roundup. Don't use Roundup. Um, use malathion and mix it in a watering can and water it into the soil. Okay. Okay. Well, I. And, but you have to do that so many. You have to read the instructions. It has to be so many days before harvest. Okay. So you don't want to you don't want to put that around lettuce or something like that because your lettuce is going to be harvesting soon, right? And so you don't want to put it near that. So if anything that you're going to harvest later on in, in August, you can put it on now. It's not a problem. Okay? Um, so what is I going to say about the lettuce? It was, um, okay, uh, it, it's, there's also spinach there, and it doesn't touch the spinach. So I'm thinking it's uh, too tough maybe for them. But I have um, dug every time there's a Lettuce plant wilting, I just dug it out and I found these, and I think I had about 50 of them I had to brick kill. Oh, is that right? And uh, then I tried yesterday, and there's little white, tiny, tiny things now. Is that what they're already hatching? Yeah, it, it could be. It's hard to say unless I see them, what they look like. But but, uh, but if you have those wire rooms, that, that's a tough one. It's Because um, like I said, all the chemicals for that are basically off the market now. Well, now, are they, like somebody said something about click beetles, are they adults? Um, are they are they adults? You said yes. Uh, I'm not sure. It, I'd honestly have to see a picture of them to be able to really diagnose what it is. No, right? but you believe me that they are wire worms. So do you? <laughs> they, they, yeah, they absolutely could be wire worms. Uh, if you got if you're seeing that many of them, I mean, it's going to be obvious what they are, right? Well, they're uh, about half an inch, and they're kind yeah. of orange or yellow. Yeah. So. But then when I. Well, somebody told me to put a half a potato in, and then they'll cling to the potato because I took that's, rid of all my lettuce. That's true. They will do that. We use that for a lot of the, the worms, and even in, in the host plants, we'll put a piece of potato down, yeah. and they'll be attracted to the potato, and then you can just grab that piece of potato, toss it, right, and mm-hmm. and scoop up all the ones you see on the soil. That, that actually would be a good way to do it because that, that will attract them big time. So, well, then they were, there was little tiny things, maybe an eighth of an inch. They were kind of light-colored. Yep. Would those be when are they already hatching or something? Yeah, or? that could be. Mm. 
So, but use the potato, but use the potato trick. That that should work, and, and then uh, be able to track them. It's you know, it's not going to kill them, repel them. It's going to track the potato, and then they'll go into the potato, and they'll be on the soil just underneath the piece of potato. You can just use a slice, and then you can scoop up the ones you see on top of the soil, and then toss it all away. Yeah. Okay. 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 And what about Christmas cactus? I have a problem with that. Mine has turned completely purple. If it's turned purple, watch your fertilizing, okay? You might be uh, lacking a little bit of potassium in your soil. Oh. Okay, so we use a cactus fertilizer. You can get a cactus fertilizer, and that's the one you should use. Is, um, is, it's, it's called cactus fertilizer. It's for cactuses. And use now, that one on it, uh, and then that will, should bring it back around. Well, how, like after they're done blooming, what is the thing? What do you have to do to, to keep them over for the net to just, they start again? Just do very, do very little watering, okay? Oh, little watering. Not, not very much watering. Just keep them more on the dry side. Uh, but not bone dry, okay? And then, and then also, uh, just give them one shot of fertilizer right now just to put them through because you're, you probably used up all your nutrients that are in that soil right now. Pot then and do this different soil uh, maybe, they, they don't like to be repotted that much so how long has it been in that pot for forever <laughs> forever how long well, a couple of years i haven't I yeah haven't, a couple yeah. of years is not bad okay yeah I, I haven't moved them any i don't think i've ever moved yeah. them out of there yeah if 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 it's been you know about every five years you could probably repot it honestly oh so and then you only go to I one size it. larger pot so if you have it in a six inch pot go to an eight inch if it's in a 12 inch pot you go to a 14 inch pot but don't go from a six inch to a 12 inch okay that's too much okay. for the christmas cactus like two inches larger is okay yeah two inches larger that's all you want mm-hmm. okay well what if i don't want it to be be any bigger do i just leave it in the pot you can leave it in the pot but eventually it'll get root bound but root-bound. not very like i've seen christmas cactus in the same pot for a long time as I've long seen, as you give yeah. it the nutrients as long as you fertilize it okay that's the big one thank you very much thank you and we have here, we'll go to um, Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Hello. Paul. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing a good job by yourself. Thank you. Just too many buttons here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Rick, um, I've got, uh, I planted asparagus years ago. You know, it's one of those things that just keeps on giving. Yep. How, how long can I expect this to keep on going this, this year? Oh, as, as, as this year, as, as long as your nutrients and your moisture level is good, it'll just keep going for a bit yet. And oh. so you'll, you'll go right into the good middle of summer and then, then all of a sudden it'll start petering out, right? But, yeah. uh, but other than you got some time yet, um, as long as, as, yeah, as long as there's nutrients in the soil and moisture, uh, you got some time yet. Well, you know, one of the things I'd like to pass on to, on to the, to the listeners, yep. don't be afraid. To plant something like my neighbor said, well, we won't see anything for four years. And I said, well, how long have you been thinking about planting it? <laughs> well, a few years. It goes by quick. It. Yeah, uh, uh, that's ex- it. that's exactly it. Is is this is especially if you're planting a yard? I always tell people get if think of anything you're gonna plant, plant a tree first. Because a tree takes longer to grow, but it doesn't take long. All of a sudden, years go by, and you wonder, oh, I should have planted that tree a few years ago, right? And the same exactly. thing with asparagus. I mean, all of a sudden, the time is there when uh, it's it's you know it's all of a sudden you get to, you get to reap the harvest, right? Yep. <laughs> Nothing better than uh, especially with prices the way are in grocery stores right now. Um, yeah, 
put asparagus in, put in potatoes in, put in beans in, uh, just anything you can put in there. And, you know, if you got too much, don't worry about that because there's always people around that could help uh, use a helping hand to some of that food you grow in your garden. Well, and the thing is, Rick, this is not a fad anymore. Nope, gardens not. are not a fad. They never were. They kind of disappeared a little bit. But uh, gardens used to be the mainstay of, of any yard. There used to be yards which half the yard was all garden, right? In a lot of yards. And so I think we're going to start seeing more and more of that come back again. I, I'm hoping so. Yeah. yeah. My, my son's dug up half his yard. Perfect. Just, well, just for that reason. Otherwise, you're looking at grass, right? Well, why not move, put that into production? Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. Thanks for your call, Thanks. Paul. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. That takes us to the to the news break here coming up here. So um, this is News Talk. This is News Talk Radio on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'd like you to join me here at one 877 on call or text. I've been busy answering texts here in the break here as much as I can because the call's been coming in, which I love having the calls. And so we're going to get right at that here. So we're going to go right away, grab the right mouse here again. Uh, we're going to go right away to uh, Ken in Battleford. Good morning, Ken. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Fine. Thank you. I was wondering about, uh, I had planted some seed buckthorn about 10 years ago, yep. and they, they're coming good, yep. but they never have no berries. I, I know you have a male and a female, and I don't know what I got. Yeah, that's the problem. You have to have, a, there is male and female. So what I would suggest you do if you want, if you want to make sure, is what you can do is some of the garden centers now, and I'm not sure they have them in Battleford, they might have them in, in Battleford, have a, have a combination um, combination ones would have both female, female and male in the same plant, okay, in the same pot. Okay. So you may want to just purchase one of those, and then that way you can get that one started, then you know you're going to have one or the other, okay? Oh, that's great. But but otherwise, yeah, if you if you did the seed and you got all all males or all females, you're going to have no fruit at all, okay? Yeah. So you have to have that other the other one around. So, um, and like I said, it's... Um, the best way I, I would suggest is get, go get a combination one, or, or otherwise get a male and a female, and plant them both. Yeah, you you've got that in your garden center, right? That we do. Yes. Okay. Very okay. good. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Okay, and we have here Shirley in Regina. Good morning, Shirley. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Not too bad. Very good. Uh, we live on the east side of Regina, next to an open field with this farmer. Yep. <clears throat> Not saying that that's the reason, but we uh, we had no weeds last year in our lawn. My husband keeps quite, keeps it quite immaculate. Anyway, yep. Yep. Uh, this year all the rock on the side of her house, where it's a city perimeter, is full of this weed, and it's also in our uh, nine bark and in our bed there where the um, cedar is, and it's just filling up with those weeds. And our neighbor that used to be a neighbor across the street, uh, he said it's a kosher weed. Oh, okay, yep. So, um, is there anything we can do? He's spraying it with Killex, but it doesn't seem to do anything. Yeah, you might want to just very carefully spray it with some Roundup. That'll kill it out. And also, because they blow in from seed, uh, don't put this in the garden, but you put it in your shrub bed and in your lawn, you can put uh, corn gluten. Okay? And corn gluten will stop the weed seeds from germinating. 
Okay, so it's an organic product which you can spread in your lawn, but you have to go by ins- the instructions. If you put it on, make it go farther and put it on too thin, it won't work, okay? You have to put it on at least what it says in the instructions or heavier, okay? It, you can't hurt your lawn with it, okay? It'll act as a fertilizer as well. So, so far, it's just on the very edge of the lawn, but we don't want the into lawn. Yep. So, so, yeah, so you can, you can paint with, your, with the paintbrush onto the leaves with Roundup. Because you can't spray, obviously, okay. Oh. And and uh, also, you you uh, I don't know what you tried. Did you try Killix or what did you try? I think he, he sprayed Killix on it. Yeah. So there's another one out there that that's that's similar to Killix. Works the same way, except for it's an iron base, okay. And mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt the lawn. So try that one as well. I think it's called Weed Out, okay. And try that one as the iron base. If that doesn't work, paint on the leaves, the Roundup, and then use the corn gluten so you don't get blowing in more weed seeds. So in all your those little thousands of kosher that are in the rock, that's what we have to do with that. Yeah, you ha- well, in the rock, you can just spray. You don't have to paint. Okay, it's yeah. only in the grass you have to paint. Okay, because so it's, it's always up on our, uh, on our front bed yep. here where it's going up the yep. line bark and yep. it's going up almost into the bark. Yeah. Anywhere you got around plants, you have to paint. You have to paint, okay? Anywhere you just have rocks and no other grass or plants or anything, you can spray. So it's a, the corn gluten you said. Well, the corn gluten you put down in the rocks. You can put it cool. down in your garden. You can it's it's you can spread it with a lawn spreader, okay? Mm-hmm. That'll work. And the the way the paint is also the corn gluten, right? No, the paint is Roundup. Oh, Roundup, sorry. Yep. Okay. Okay, so I know there's only a couple of Roundups that are available now. One was in the orange carton, as you said. Yeah, well, the, the, you can still get all of them right now, but uh, this is the last year you will be able to buy Roundup. You will be able to buy Roundup Advance next year, but that's just a herbicidal uh, insect, uh, herbicidal soap, and so that's that doesn't have uh, the the active ingredient of normal Roundup. Okay, that'll so be all. Normal off- Roundup we can still use this year on this. Then. That's right. Okay, because okay. I know um, we might have had something bleeding into our roses because our roses on the outside of the, uh, the fence died because of that too. Yeah, well, you just got to make sure that you don't have you have a calm day. You don't want to be and spray close to the weed. You don't be spraying so, from up high. So is is this is this, is this from a farmer's field? You think? Yeah, it something? would have blown in. I have them in my I have them on an acreage. I have them in my yard as well. Yeah, because I saw last year was the first time we saw a whole bunch of tumbleweeds on a real windy day, and I never saw that before. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, well, that's probably something yeah, going to happen. A zillion seeds, a zillion seeds. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Okay, thanks Thank very you. much. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're going to go here to Doreen in Willow Bunch. Good morning, Doreen. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, I have willows, gray yes. fox willows, in my front yard. Yeah, blue fox willows, yep. Yeah. yeah, blue fox, sorry. Yep. And I've been battling... Four worms for, I don't even want to say how many years, about 25 years, and I'm not winning. Yeah. Um, every year I have, I, I do spray with seven, but I'm obvious, and I still have some. That, but that won't work. It won't work. It won't work? Nope. Oh, okay. That's why it's not working. That's why it's not working. So uh, every year I have new growth that comes up from the bottom. Yep. Where the branches have died. Right. And I'm just wondering if in the fall I cut everything down to the ground. Yes, that's the best way. But will but I kill my willows? As soon as as soon as the branch starts to wilt, trim it then. Well, I have been doing that okay. even before. I go and I look and I can see where they've gone in because it almost looks like yeah. But then, then you got to look into the stem and see that down lower than where you cut. And I've been doing that, but okay. I, 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 I'm still getting them every year. Yep. I've been doing that for about five or six years, oh, cutting yeah. the branch. Yep. 
soon as I see there's a, a, a borer worm in it, yep. cut below where it went in, and I, I, I dispose of it in Good. a bag. Yep. And I'm still, I'm still getting them. Like every single year, I'm still getting them. So I'm just wondering if I don't give them a place to bore into for one year, yep, but will I get rid of them? If I cut everything down to the ground. Yeah, but they'll grow right back up again and they'll bore into that new growth again. Oh, they'll stay around, will they? Yeah, they will. So, you know, it's, I'm sorry to say there's one, one good solution. Yeah, I know. Rip don't, them out. Rip them out and don't plant yeah. something different because you're going to have that problem all the time. Okay. I thought maybe if I didn't give them something to chew on for a year... Nope that, that it, no. I would get rid of them. No, because if you keep that thing chewed down, trimmed down to the ground for the whole year, that plant will die. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought maybe if I trimmed it down in the fall, they come out in the spring. So I yep. thought, well, if they've got no big branches, no big enough branches to bore into in the spring, yep. will, I, will I get rid of them? Not really. They'll be around. They'll okay. come back again. Okay. Okay. So I'll have to make a choice That's then. A, yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, we got, uh, I'll just do a quick here. Um, my Betty from Saskatoon, my lilac trees are about 14 feet high and I would like to cut them down in half. Should I do this when they're dormant? Yes. Uh, how do I keep the suckers in a curl? So cut them when they're dormant. You're going to miss a year of, at least a year of blooming. Do it when they're dormant in the fall, like in October when they drop the leaves or otherwise in March or the first week of April, you can do it as well. And how do I keep the suckers under control? The only way is use a product called Roundup Advance or not regular Roundup, Roundup Advance or otherwise another product called Top Gun and you just spray the new, cut the suckers right down to the ground and when the new leaves just pop out of the ground, don't let them get tall. So once a week you go in there and spray them with this product, Top Gun or Roundup Advance and you'll keep them under control without hurting the plant but it's not... a a cure, it's a control. So you have to do that every week. That takes us to the to the break. I'm Rick Van Daverdijk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good Sunday morning and thank you for joining me here this last little spin. Boy, this time went by so quick. Uh, thank you for all your calls today. That's been just awesome. Give me a call at one 332 8255 and that's by calling or texting. I've been busy with my fingers typing out, answering as many texts I can in between the lines, between the commercial breaks. But we're going to go right here to Sandra here. So one 332 255 is that number by calling or text. Sandra in North Battleford, good morning. How are you doing today, Sandra? Good morning. I'm doing well, thank Very you. Very good. I have a question about the alfalfa pellet. Yep. Uh, the pail that I'm using is is a five-gallon pail. Yep. How many of the pellets should I put in that? Uh, myself, I always put two cups in. Two cups? In a five-gallon pail. Okay. And then I, I, I stirred it up, and then I let it stew overnight, and I stirred it up again, and then I went and poured Okay. Now, okay, just remember that answered another question. Yep. And how often should I use that? I use mine once a week. And my flowers are all in a soilless mixture. Perfect. And so it's still beneficial for that, right? Absolutely. Gives and all the mic- once a week. Gives all the micronutrients. You, okay. you, can, you can't. So over- do I still need to fertilize them? Yep. You, you, absolutely. Because uh, because depending on what you have in there, like a lot of uh, your plants you put in your in your containers, like the flowers are very vegetative. Okay, okay. like you might have some some uh, hybrid type of petunias, or you might yeah. have potato vine, and those things are are hungry, 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 especially once the roots fill the pot. 
So okay. you, you want to supplement with your 20-20-20 or 28-14-12 or, or your 15-30-15. Supple- That's what I'm using is 15-30-15. Yep. Yep. So supplement with that as well, but also put the, the alfalfa pellets. The alfalfa pellets, you won't over-fertilize, okay? Oh, but what, okay. What the alfalfa pellets does is it gives you all the, your, your zinc and your boron, yeah. your magnesium. It gives you all the other micronutrients to have just vibrant colors in your flowers. And so the sludge that's left in the bottom of the pail, I can just put that on too, can yep. I? Yep, mix it into your garden, into your soil, into whatever you want, okay? But if you let that sit around for another for another week, uh, it's going to smell, okay? Okay, thank you so, <laughs> so much. So make as much as you need and then the rest pour out around your shrubs or other flowers in the yard, whatever, okay? Okay, thank you, Rick. You're, you're welcome. Okay, bye. And we have Larry in Osler. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Deadheading anemones. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can, or unless you want this, unless you want them to reseed themselves. Okay. Because no, I'd like them to bloom, bloom again. Yeah, you want to bloom again? Yeah, they they may some varieties may bloom again if you deadhead them. Absolutely, and some just give one bloom uh, once a year. Okay, but if you want to rebloom, just deadhead them. Yes. Because there's no way of telling which one you've got, is there? Yeah, but but most times, because what they want to do is they want to produce seed, okay? So a lot of times when you deadhead them, they'll want to go and try to produce that seed. That's just the natural thing they want to do, okay? So absolutely, if you do do want to get more flowers, you have to deadhead. All right, thanks for your help. You're welcome. And we're going to go here to uh, the text line. Uh, Kathy in Saskatoon, we have a six-foot Japanese lilac tree. The top appeared to have died. I nicked the bark and found no green. Whoops. Uh, it's sprouting from the trunk at the bottom. wondering if I should cut the top off where the new growth meets the... So that's what you can do, absolutely, Kathleen, is, is just trim it down to where the green meets the brown. So you nick the bark and it's brown. Keep working your way down to get the green to the green part. And give it some fertilizer. One thing I remember about Japanese, the ivory silk lilacs, is that they want to be on the drier side. So just make sure that you keep them moist, but don't overwater. And also do the probe with a piece of rebar so that it's not wet down deeper in the soil, because they won't like that too. Because one thing lilacs have to do is they have to shut down in the fall. If they don't shut down in time, the leaves turn all yellow, and they start falling off. And if they keep their leaves, that's when you'll get some tip kill on them. And uh, so watch for that too. But they can also die if you just, with the drought if you don't give them any water at all. So water and fertilizing, give it some 30-10-10 uh, with the tree. You can probably do about uh, uh, at least eight liters of water around the, ba- the drip line of the tree or on the base of the tree. And then try to get as much growth happening as you can to be able to have that plant come back. Uh, Marlene here in Saskatoon, um, uh, she has... Um, here, here's where the, for the ladies, here's a great one, a remedy. A lady with a problem with the wireworms, it helps to continuously turn the soil where she can. The worms don't like that. And the nematodes uh, help as well for the eggs. So, yeah, you can use the nematodes as well. It'd have to be the, the, um, the grub-out ones that will work for that one. And... Um, and decrease the amount of age. But working up the soil, that's perfect. Thanks for that, Marlene. And we love to have little suggestions like that because you know what? There's there's never one right answer for gardening. There's whatever works best for everybody is is the right way to do it. So that's perfect. I love those type of uh, those help helpful hints that we could do. 
And here's one um, from Diane. Um, we have here in, I have a Saskatoon and pin cherry saplings planted. What should I fertilize them with? Is there one fertilizer good for fruit trees and ornamental trees? Uh, would uh, spreading compost around be good as fertilizer? Absolutely. Uh, using compost, using the uh, the uh, alfalfa pellets works really good as well. You, one thing you don't want to use around fruit trees, where you can use around ornamental trees, you can use more and higher nitrogen to get lots of growth. But fruit trees, uh, if you put too high of nitrogen multiple times during the year, it actually makes the the tree saying, I'm really good, I don't need to produce a lot more fruit. So I like using uh, basically... Uh, um, uh, a berry and fruit uh, fertilizer it's it, or using the alfalfa pellets because it's lower nitrogen and it just makes them have all those other micronutrients to produce a better crop for you. So you can do that and that will work a lot better. Uh, let's see here. We have... Um, Hi, Rick. My hibiscus seems to be losing more leaves than usual. It hasn't bloomed in about eight months. Any suggestions? So watch the moisture. You need to stick your index finger in as far as it will go to your big knuckle. And if you feel moisture, don't water it. If it feels dry, give it a good watering so it goes right through the bottom of the pot. And the hibiscus like to have as much sun as possible. Okay, If you ever move it, it'll lose leaves. If you move it to the shadier spot, it'll drop leaves and put big leaves on. If you move it to a really sunny spot, it'll drop leaves and put smaller leaves on. So whenever you move it, it will drop leaves. And don't forget to fertilize that one too, at least once a month, every three weeks, uh, especially in the summertime when it wants to bloom. Every three weeks, give it a shot of fertilizer and it'll do a lot better for you then. That about takes us here. Oh, I got to go one more here I can take here. So um, um, I appreciate advice in my, in my advice. Um, I'll have to answer that one later. That's too long for me to read here. Um, go for this one here. Um, do I... One way here is how to get rid of quackgrass again in my perennial beds. The only way to do that is by actually digging them up or actually painting with a paintbrush the roundup on the uh, on the on the on the on the leaves of the quackgrass, and that'll kill it. It takes it takes seven to fourteen days after you do that, and then it can take care of it that way. Well, you know what? That takes us to the show. I mean, that went so quick. Thank you for all your great calls today. That was fun. And uh, and join us next week at 9 o'clock. And uh, I'm Rick Van Dijk. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.